and welcome to Kingwood United Methodist Church. Thank you for joining us today. Wherever you're listening from and whatever service you're listening to, we strongly believe because of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, there is always more life. As we launch into a new sermon series, which we were intentionally praying through as a staff together, as pastors together, we, we really focused on what's an important message that, that needs to be heard as we move into these new rhythms of a new school year. And so from the book by John Mark Cormer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, we want to set out the next several weeks to recognize that hurry, as Dallas Willard has said, is the greatest enemy to spiritual life in your day. And you have to ruthlessly eliminate it. And throughout this series, we want to focus on how hurriedness, borrowing the world's pace, becomes a barrier. And what are the historic practices we find in Scripture and the teaching of the church that help us combat that? As I thought of my own way of incorporating how does that look, I'm reminded that several years ago when Sean and I uh, were in our mid-40s, we decided to get healthy and we joined a health club and we hired a personal trainer, David. Uh, ends up being a beautiful thing. He goes on to Asbury. He's um, uh, gotten his degree. He's working in a pastoral ministry. But at that time, he was someone who was half my age and was really fit. And we were wanting to become fit. You know that image you have in your mind. And so we go to that first kind of assessment. And he says, well, we want to check some things out. We want to check your strength. We want to check your range of mobility. Sean's flexible. Sean's been walking. She's just fine. And then it comes to me and, you know, I'm not so flexible. And, and he has these, these large rubber bands. Now, my wife has been trained as a physical therapist, so she knows what those do to your body. I didn't. And so he said, I want you to stand on it and do this as many times as you can. You know, and I did that. And then I want you to wrap them around your knees and walk sideways. I thought, this is stupid. He just, you know, so I walked sideways. Now I want you to bend down. And we did all these leg exercises. You know, I hadn't done a whole lot with my lower body. And he said, okay, that's good for today. So let's just kind of wrap up. And I said, good for the day. We joined a health club. You know, in my 18-year-old brain kicked in thinking that's what my body could keep up with. So I went to the treadmills. And I got on the treadmill, and the bad thing about the treadmill is, you, you, here's what I've learned. If I ever get on a treadmill again, I'm not getting next to the thin guy with a size 30 waist. I just know that, right? I wasn't thinking this through, and I get on the treadmill. You know, and here I am going, and I look over and it's, you know, they're all run, run. I said, well, I can keep up with that. So I up the space, you know, I'm still behind. I up the space, up the space. Do you know if you walk sideways and you're not used to using muscles in your hip flexors and you walk sideways with a band for five minutes, what that's going to do to your legs in about one minute on the tread? I see some people know exactly what I was talking about. I stove up and went face plant first into the treadmill. It shot me off the back. <laughs> And there I am in the ground in front of everybody. And they're all looking over and trying, no one's trying to laugh. And I said, y'all don't try that, okay? It takes years of training to dismount like that. So then I told the attendant, go turn that thing off. I'm leaving. I'm too embarrassed, right? That's what life is like when we allow the world and culture to, to determine the pace of our life. 
So sometimes you feel, maybe it's a country and western song yet to be written. I can have Jim Welch see if anybody's sung it yet. But I got thrown off the treadmill of life. <laughs> How's your treadmill? Are you running in place? Are you just getting tired? Do you have a purpose for what you're doing? What we want to explore is what is it about a relationship with Christ that makes that different for us? What makes it different? And so we're going to look at a couple of things. We're going to, today, we're going to read three verses in Matthew. In a moment, you're going to read them from the NIV and from the message translation. Eugene Peterson has written the message translation. It gives us another lens into that passage. But as we were looking at this series, I went to that cabinet I've told you about that has some 6,000 illustrations of my granddad's, and I was pouring through, and my heart led me to prayer, and there's a long file section on prayer, and... There was a man who lived named Dr. Charles Farrell in Ohio who used to preach revivals as a Methodist. And he had a prayer. And my granddad had typed that out on an old typewriter. And so we're going to use this prayer from Dr. Charles Farrell before the scripture and the sermon every week during this series. Because I think it speaks to what we want to, as the hymn says, tune our hearts to sing God's praise. So I'm going to invite you to stand as you're able. We're going to join in the prayer. Then we're going to join in the reading of the scripture. Let's pray together. Eternal God, show us your word and your covenant in your word and your grace in your covenant and your goodness in your grace and your love in your goodness and yourself in your love and all in the face of Jesus Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen. The scripture today from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11, verses 28 through 30 in the NIV translation. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And this from the message translation, and let us read this together. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me, and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. This is the word of God for you and me, the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and as you are, let us pray together. May your spirit, O God, stand between me and your people, so the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be shaped, formed, and molded into the good news of the gospel of Christ, in whose name we gather, in whose name we pray, and in whose name we will depart and seek to serve you faithfully. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Corey Tin Boom years ago said, If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. The devil can't make you sin. He'll make you busy. 
Oftentimes people will come up to you and they'll say, hey, David, how you doing? And oftentimes they'll just say, good, or sometimes they'll say, busy. Our culture and our world affirms this idea that you've got to be busy, right? You're doing something. You're not being loath. You're not being lax. I mean, the church actually picks up on this all the way back to John Wesley. The historic questions that you're asked when you come to ordination by the bishop, listen to question number 18. Will you observe the following directions? All of us young clergy, mid-age clergy, clergy about to enter. Stacey will be answering these questions. Clint will be answering them. Jeremy's answered them. I've answered them. Jim Welch has answered them. Judy Tefteller has answered them. All the clergy you've met have answered them. It says this, be diligent. Never be unemployed, never be trifling employed. Don't know what that means. Never trifle away time. Think I know what that means. Neither spend any more time at any one place than it is strictly necessary. B, be punctual. Do everything exactly at the time and do not mend our rules, but keep them not for wrath, but for conscience sake. This concept that pastors needed to be busy was part of the reason probably why most circuit-riding clergy early in Methodism died in an average age in their early and mid-30s because they constantly were driving themselves. I don't know about you, but I know that when I push myself too much, I can tell because when I go too far, I get a migraine headache when I don't have enough sleep, right? Your body physiologically will tell you when you have not rested. But what happens is I think that we are addicted in this culture to keeping out this little device. One of the greatest things about this past week is when we would go out away from the room in which we were staying, I tried to leave this little thing right here. I tried to leave it in the room. And I still came back. I mean, we try to say, well, I'm going to disconnect for a bit. I didn't really disconnect because if I totally disconnect, I come back to 450 emails to cover. And, and, and that, you know, it takes a day to recover from your vacation. But even in the rhythms, I'm trying to find a way personally to learn, how do I not let this determine what's in my life? Thanks again for joining us for today's message. We will return to the sermon in a moment, but first, we would like to ask for you to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast. We believe God is doing some amazing things here at KUMC, and your feedback helps our church to reach new listeners that we wouldn't otherwise be able to reach. Now, let's get back to the work. I've learned little phrases like, I wish more people would face their problems and not Facebook them. There is no Instagram solution to spirituality. However, we're addicted to a culture that thinks if we share something or post something or we go to Bible Gateway, put a neat background and quote a scripture, we've told everybody we're spiritual and we get back on the treadmill of life and busyness. When our lives are hurried and busy, too often it reflects that we're not walking with God. So what's the solution to the busyness? Well, the easy solution to say is, take a rest. Don't be so busy. 
This little passage of three verses is really fascinating if you study the text. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus is sending out the 72. In Matthew chapter 12, they're back together with him. We think that in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus is kind of going around and making sort of his solo tour, and the disciples have been sent out to different places. We don't know for a fact. All we know is that in chapter 10, Jesus sends out the disciples. In chapter 12, they're back together with him. So what's in between seems to be some very individual teaching that Jesus does in the towns around the Sea of Galilee. And after this teaching, he comes back to this moment and he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And what does he talk about? He talks about a yoke. Now, there is a good likelihood that the idea of the yoke has come from the agricultural idea of uh, a yoke and that, that is placed on a beast of burden like an ox or a donkey. But if you do some research, you find out the yoke is really nothing more than a suspended bar. And oftentimes, people used a long piece of wood that would be carved out a bit of an arch in the middle to go over the shoulders. And that's how they would carry goods. And it would sort of balance and they would, they would carry things around. So when Jesus is talking in a personal way, as I read the text... I don't think he's using a sort of distant idea of an agricultural group of oxen pulling a plow. I think he's talking to people personally who would put this yoke upon them and then they would have either a hook or a um, rope on either side that would carry water, that would carry grain, that would carry goods. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying my yoke is what? Is it heavy? No, my yoke is easy. It means the way it fits, the way, it, the, way it, the way it's worn with you is easy, it's not painful. And the burden or the task, it's not heavy, it's light. If we want to learn how to break away from the busyness of the world, then we have to understand that the way of Christ in following Jesus is not simply an option to be added to what we do, it is a way of full surrender. Let me ask you this way. As you think about the solution to busyness and you're slowing down, slowing down is a choice that you make. It's a choice that you make. So I ask you, are you filling your day with things that keep you busy? Or are you filling your day with things that matter and have significance? Are you filling your day with things that are keeping you busy or things that matter and have significance. Or said another way, who are you without what you do? Think about that question. You might write that down and then ponder that this afternoon. Who are you without what you do? Because another theme within our culture and world is that your value is found in what you do. But let me remind you, friends, you are not a human doing you are a human being. But the world says your value is what you can accomplish, what you can achieve, what you can do. Last several months, as you can imagine, have been a rather busy time. People say, hey, are you looking for the slowdown of summer? That's an oxymoron in church work, right? If you think about the, there's, there's this phrase that, that some people will say, well, maybe we can get to that when things what? slow down a bit. Friends, it never slows down for the church work. 
I mean, we were no more than celebrating that up from the grave Jesus arose than we were already thinking about what's going to be happening with VBS, summer camps, UM armies. We're no more in the middle of UM armies than we're thinking about school starting. We're already talking about Christmas and we're not even Walmart. There's never a slowdown. We're always looking ahead, trying to find out what is it that needs to happen in the rhythms and the life of the church and in your encountering God here that will feed your soul. And in this season, we say it's to lean into slowing down. Following Jesus isn't just adding that layer of niceness to an already busy life or trying to just sort of share some inspiring quote occasionally on social media. It is allowing him to control and be the Lord of every aspect within your life. Can you surrender to God your calendar? So here's an exercise I want to give you all who are um, somewhat addicted to these things. I want to challenge you today. Just try this. It's an experiment, okay? In everybody in your house. Especially if you happen to be in the younger crowd and this is your life, right? First, when you go about the, your way today as you leave church, I want you to count the number of people that you see who are living life like this. Count those people. Count those folks. Not to be judgmental, just count and observe. Second task I have for you today. I want to challenge every one of you to see if you can do this. Can you take this and can you choose and don't do it at 10 p.m. when you plug it in to go to bed? That does not count. In your waking hours, while you are awake, can you take this device? And can you set it down and leave it alone, not look at it, not consult it, even when it goes for one hour? Now, I'm not technologically advanced, but you know what you can also do to help yourself with that? Airplane mode. When we went on our trip for a brief time, Actually, the greatest time of renewal for me was on the airplane. You want to know why? Because it couldn't be contacted no matter what. And it finally arrived in the rhythm that when I got to where we were going, it was going to stay in the room and I come back to it. I had to make a choice to not live into the digital addiction that distracts our lives and it affects our souls. So in the coming weeks, we want to focus on how to ruthlessly eliminate the hurriness of life. Part of that happens today is you come to communion. And as you come in a moment, I'm going to ask you, uh, as you come, you'll receive a portion of the bread. You'll dip it into the chalice. I'm going to ask you to come with your hands uh, like this. And I want you to think about what is the burden that you're carrying that you need to leave here? Think of it metaphorically as being in your hands. Maybe it's a pain. Maybe it's a regret. Maybe it's a, a hurt that you're holding on to. Maybe it's frustration. Whatever it is, think of it as being in the midst of your hands. And as you come to communion, as you're invited by the ushers in a moment, hold that in your hand as you bring it forward. 
And then as you come to that moment of communion, before you receive the bread, I want you to imagine that you're just letting it go. That you're just letting go what's the heaviness. And that what you receive is the tangible love of God expressed in your life. In the bread that's ordinary bread, in the unfermented juice of the vine, God says, I love you. And as you come to this table, here's your third assignment this week. Number one, count the people buried in their phones. Number two, learn to set it down. And number three, go read the scriptures and tell me if you ever, ever find Jesus saying to the followers or the people that he meets, hey, come on, pick up the pace, people. Come on. What is he all the time doing? Taking a step away. Connecting with God. Three pieces of homework, because we're all starting back to school this week. Things for you to think about. And as to move us into this time of the great Thanksgiving, I offer this prayer that is not my own, but the words of Debbie McDaniel, and I will read them intentionally. They will not be on the screen, so you'll have to just close your eyes and listen with your heart. This prayer, a prayer for taking the yoke of Jesus. Let's pray together. Thank you, God, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. Thank you that you promise to give the worried, the hurried, the pressured, and the stressed out rest and peace for our souls if we just come before you. Thank you that you already know all that concerns us and you care. We're so grateful for your reminder that we don't have to carry it all on our own. Forgive us for the times that we've tried to fix things in our own power, for not taking the time to rest, or coming to you first with our needs and our burdens. Thank you for the refreshing that comes from your spirit, filling us with joy, covering us with a shield, leading us forward with hope. Equip us to be those who take notice of others who seem weary and burdened too. Help us, O God of love, to slow down, to take the time to point others to you. For we ask this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people did say, Amen. Amen.